What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew. Today's guest is Taylor Ewert. She is a runner and a race walker from Ohio who is going to be a freshman at the University of Arkansas in the fall. She was recently crowned the Gatorade Player of the Year, which is a very big deal. Um, It's basically the highest honor that you can get in high school running in the United States, so it means a lot. Not only is Taylor a national level runner who just placed second at NXN this last fall, she is also a national level race walker. So this episode I think is very informative on the sport of race walking and also how she incorporates that into her running and yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Uh, do you want to give a little bit of introduction and let people know who you are, what you're about? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on, Emma. My name is Taylor Ewert. For the people that don't know me, I'm a race walker and a runner, and I'm going to Arkansas in the fall. Woo pig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but <laughs> considering I'm a duck myself, but still I respect it. I respect it. I just wanted to start off by kind of getting your backstory. I mean, I personally have never met anyone that race walk. And now I feel like I'm talking to the person that is the best race walker in the country, at least that I know of. So I would love to hear like how you got your start in both race walking and running. Yeah. So they're pretty much like a pretty similar story for both of them. So both my parents ran in college at Syracuse University And so when they had kids, they always wanted their kids to run as well. And it's kind of tough to get your kids into a certain sport. And, you know, I grew up playing like all types of sports. You know, I did figure skating forever, soccer, basketball. And one of the things my parents did to kind of get us into running was a summer track club, the classic USATF, like, you know, junior nationals over the summer, all that good stuff. So we would go to practice, and when you're younger, you get to try all the different, you know, events. Ah. So I got to try javelin, long jump, and the race walk included. So I knew I was going to be good at distance running. You know, I was beating all the boys in the pacer test and, you know, destroying them at tag. So distance running was a sure, you know, bet. But, you know, I excelled at the race walk. I think my first year, I won, like, the junior nationals. So I just, you know, when you win something, you just keep doing it. And that's kind of how I got into, you know, race walking and running. And then every summer we just go back and do the summer track club. Nice. And were how like often were you able to compete in race walking? Because I know they don't have it in high school or anything, um, at least like in California, it's not a thing. Yeah. Uh, so how often were you able to like go and race walk? Yeah, so same for uh, Ohio. We don't have it as like a state uh, sanctioned like sport per se. So we're not really going and competing them at a meet. Well, at least in like the OHAS, you know, whatever for like postseason. Yeah. So like when I was younger over the summer, we do the the USATF like nationals and AAU uh, track nationals. And they offered it there as an event. And then as I got older and I kind of went away from you know, those, um, like the USATF, whatnot, then, you know, Milrose offered it, New Balance Nationals, and some couple like select indoor meets or outdoor meets. 
So that's where I was able to do the majority of my racing. And since it is a national event for the USA for like track and field, if I want to go race there or do like the U20s, I could always go, you know, participate in a race. So there's not awesome. a ton of options, but if you want to find some, you definitely could. Yeah, nice. And do you have people to train with for race walking or is it just kind of solo? <laughs> it's definitely solo. When I was younger in the track club, there was, you know, a couple guys and a girl from Australia who's pretty good at race walking that I could train with. But once I got into middle school and high school, it was a lot of solo work. And what does your training look like for that? I am so like uninformed on how to train for race walk. It's something I've never even come across. So I'm very interested on like how you incorporate that into your training. Yeah, that's the biggest question that people always have for me is, you know, what it does the race walk training look like? And really, it's not as complicated as some people make it out to be, at least for me personally. So the majority of my training is just running. So I'd say it's like, 90 to 10%. So leading up to a race, I try to race walk once or twice a week just to keep the form because that's a really important part. But getting closer to a race, I'll start adding in like key workouts, whether I'm doing a mile race walk or like a 20k. And then from there, when I get closer to the race, I'll start doing it kind of twice a day. So I'll run in the morning and then race walk in the evening, kind of like a double or kind of almost treating it as like, um, cross training and that's just what's worked really well for me I find find that like race walking on its own isn't providing a ton of fitness just because you know my heart rate's not getting as high kind of like if you were to go out biking you'd have to bike for a really long time to get the same benefit of running per se or like really hard so for me I've it's always just kind of been a balance of running kind of full time and then you know once a week or twice a week getting that race walking in keep the form. And then when I get closer to a race, I'll start adding in some more workouts to kind of taper and tune me up. So what, what is an example of like a race walking workout you would do to like tune up for the mile race walk? So for like the mile race walk, it's just as simple as something you would do if you were running per se, the pace is just different. So if I was, if you were going into a running race and you want to do a six thirty mile, you know, the intervals that you'd want to hit would be just 630 pace. So I go out and I'll do, you know, 12 by 400 or eight by 400. I'll do the two hundreds, uh, for like a 20 K I'll be doing like 20 by 400 or sometimes more than that. Or like, Oh my goodness. Oh, trust me. It's 20 K is so long. Yeah. What is that? That's like almost 13 miles. Yeah. It's about a half marathon. And I think it's made me mentally tougher over the years because I'm just out there for a long time. You know, there's a lot of the forms really important. So I'm focusing on the form and it's tough because in my head, I'm like, if I was running the right now, I'd be done, but that's not the case. So I just kind of have to tune in and just focus, but yeah, it's it's a long ways to go. I was hoping there is talk about making the 20 K into a 10 K for like the Olympics or for like the United States, like qualifier, but no, it's still it's still a 20K. I'm glad oh it's just goodness. not 50K. Why is it so long? Um, like, I it's not like they, have, yeah. they don't have a 20K for a track race. I think the reason they, well, I'm pretty sure this is why, but so with race walking, the faster you go, the, it's, the harder it is to keep the form. And it, there's such a fine line between uh, 
doing the form correctly and not doing the form. And the form is judged by the, you know, the judge's eye. So in reality, if you were to slow down a picture of a slow down a video of me race walking, you'd probably see me lifting, which is a violation of like one of the rules, or you might see like me having a bent knee, but that's okay. What makes it not okay is if the judge can see with their own eye that I'm not doing the form correctly. So the faster you go, the harder it is for the judge to see if I'm doing the form correctly, where if I'm doing a 20K or even a longer distance, they can see that, you know, the form is, well, the pace I'm going is slower. So the form's a lot easier to kind of watch and make sure it's done properly. I see. I see. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. that is just so long to, it's on a track, right, too? Um, yeah, some 20K races are on a track. And some of them are out, like, kind of on, like, a course. Oh, nice. Which one do you prefer? Definitely the course. I don't want to be yeah. out for that long. <laughs> I feel like I would be so tempted to just start running. Like, walking for a long time is painful. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, especially my hamstrings or, like, sometimes around my knees, they just get really sore. And for me, personally, like, when I go do international races, it's a lot more fun per se, because it's competitive. There's more girls kind of around me where here there's not really a lot of competition. So if I go into a race, it's pretty much a time trial. So I'm just out there by myself, 25 laps, just trying to click away especially <laughs> for like a 10 K. So imagine trying to do 50. It's just, it's crazy, but I can't as I said, imagine. I'm mentally tough. I, I, I can understand that. So what country has like the best race walkers? Is it, I'm assuming it's not America. I feel like it must be prevalent somewhere else in the world more than here. Yeah, race walking is definitely a a long, has a long ways to go in the United States. But it's pretty big in Europe. I mean, Asia and South America. South America is really into it. If you you travel down there, they love their race walkers. And there's a lot of, um, it's really respected down there in their culture. But so yeah, South America, there's some really talented race walkers that come out of there. You know, China and Japan have always had uh, top girls. And even a couple, I know a couple Australian girls have really performed well at the top stage. So, I mean, it really depends. I think it comes down to is that, you know, these other countries are doing this, are doing more race walking. So there's more girls and guys that are getting the opportunity to race walk. And that just gives you more of a chance of, you know, if, every one in 50 kids that race walk is going to be a stud, then they're going to get a really good, talented person. Where in the United States, we don't even have 50 people in a race. So who knows the next great race walker? Yeah. And I know for me, I mean, I grew up running and I was never introduced to the race walk. It, even though I was running at the USATF meets, for me personally, like on my team, we were never even like told about the race walk or let alone yeah. we never even tried it like we, maybe we tried to jokingly seeing how fast we could walk but exactly. <laughs> we didn't actually give it a serious shot so I don't know if that would be helpful I feel like just incorporating it more into like the youth distance program or the youth um, track programs would help I don't really know what the solution is to make it more prevalent here do you have any thoughts yeah. I definitely think there is a solution to make it more prevalent like for example if you go to a meet and you see the race walkers, there's pretty big stereotype around them that they're typically the people that aren't as fit or aren't good at running. So they get put in the race walking. And, you know, I've been in races before where I've gotten booed or I've gotten like weird remarks made. And, you know, it's tough. But then once they see me 
breaking these national records, going fast and being ranked like top in the world. It's like, you know, this is something that's taken very seriously. These, this is a sport that, you know, people are getting paid to do. There are professionals out there. And if I think more people respected it and it was more accepted in the sense that just because like you're bad at running doesn't mean you do race walking. You can be a good runner. You can be a good athlete and still do the race walking. And what I've noticed a lot in like older cultures of race walking is that they don't want people running. When I was younger, I was scrutinized for running. They always told me, no, you can't run and race walk. That's not, you don't do that. And why? just because it like messes up your form. Why would they have that in their minds? Exactly. Um, I think it's the fact that it messes with your form. Like I think they're viewing it as if you want to be good at something, you just need to do that one thing instead of looking at it as a, as an advantage because running is going to help get that individual and it helps me get into the best shape I can be. And if I can run like my mile PR is 448, if I can run that a mile, I can go out and I can definitely race walk a six, like 28 mile. You know what I mean? So I yeah. think running is definitely going to help you hit the pace. It's definitely going to help you be fitter. But I don't know. I mean, they just don't accept people to run. And it's interesting because in other countries that dominate in the race walk, or race walk all their athletes run as well. It's like, I don't know why it just hasn't caught on. But I know when I was younger, it was like, oh, you run too? No, you should only race walk. You can't do both. It's like, well, as long as you have the form down, like the best example I can think of is someone that specializes in the hurdles doesn't just always run hurdles. They don't go out for their run and only do hurdles. They do regular track workouts. They do drills. They do tons of different things. They do lifting, you know what I mean? Just so they can get the form down so that when they go into a hurdle race, they can do well. So why would you only race walk, especially when you're going slower? Like, yeah. And like you said, you need to get your base up too. So I feel like you need to have endurance obviously to be running or to be race walking 20 K. So I feel like running, like how else would you get your base up? Just walking for hours and hours. Exactly. It's such a, and it's such a, I mean, it's very low impact. So it's good for some people, but it just takes so long. I mean, I'm going around like eight fifty to like 9 10 for like my easy days so if I wanted to get my heart rate up high enough to where it is when I run I would have to have to be going out for you know hours to get that kind of fitness in almost every day and that's really time consuming yeah. so it's just not realistic for you know people to not run and just only race walk yeah so since your heart rate like does does your heart rate get up high when you're racing or what is like the well, hardest part of race walking Probably it comes down to, because my heart rate when I'm racing does get up, but it's more of I'm trying to push the form to go as fast as I can. So, you know, I start getting more like um, the muscles in my body that's helping me accomplish the form gets more tired. So like my hamstrings start to fatigue, my legs start to get lactic. And even though because I run, I'm feeling, you know, good, I'm still working hard though. It's just not as hard as you know, like I would feel if I were running an all out mile, I never get to that point where I feel like I'm about to, you know, the (laughs) same way where if you finish a mile or an 800, you're like, dead if you ran it all out. But because in the race walking, I never really get to that point. But I do get quite a bit fatigued. Like, after a 20k, I feel like I've 
hit a wall, but it's just not the same. <laughs> yeah, I feel like my joints would be hurting, if anything. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> the next day well, is I- never fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. But I feel like you have done a really good job of kind of proving against the older people of the race walking world and just showing you're like literal proof of running, making you a better race walker. I don't know how they can argue with you when you're literally going and like getting second at nationals in cross country and also like doing super well in the race walk. I don't know how they could even argue against the evidence that you have. No, you're, you're right. And it's interesting because now that I've kind of come on the scene as someone who primarily runs and race walks on the side, and it shows a option of race walking being so much more acceptable. Like if you're a race walker, you can definitely do cross country. You can still do track. You can go run the two mile and then maybe you can come back a couple hours later and score points for your team in like the mile race walk. So I definitely think that it's, they were skeptic at first when I came on the scene, but now I see a lot more professional race walkers. I know like they'll post on social media that they're running or whatnot as part of their training. And it's interesting <laughs> because I know like, like three years ago, they were definitely not running. So. Hey, that just shows yeah. that they're scared of you. Something right. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so this year was supposed to be a big year with the Olympics and everything. Um, I haven't really checked out the race walking rankings, but do you have a good shot of making the Olympic team next year? Yeah, I would say so. You know, knock on wood, you never know. But going into it, I'm definitely one of the top seeds. And especially since I seem to get faster the longer the distance goes, just because, you know, my endurance base from running really plays an advantage. So I definitely think that I'll be one of the top contenders. And if I can show up next year healthy with, you know, more race walking, more training under my legs, I think that'll just play to my advantage a lot more. So is the race at the trials a 20K or do they also have the mile? No, it'll be a 20K. You, you okay. don't see a lot of mile race walkers. I don't okay. see a lot of races. It's just such a short distance. I mean, even the 3K is pushing it. Uh, the 5K is not too bad. But yeah, I I prefer the 10K. I think it's a good uh, medium between, you know, still going quick and not having it be too long. But yeah, the 20K is definitely probably the ideal distance. Yeah, man. Consider, yeah. Well, I cannot wait to watch you next year at the trials. I, I will definitely be there and in full oh, support of you Thank for that you. whole almost 13 miles around the good old Hayward Field. <laughs> You know, it's better than the 50K. There, I think the United States, no, they might have gotten rid of it, but there is a 50K that was also an Olympic qualifying that you could do. And that's just crazy to me because they, they were out there forever doing a 50K. Man, isn't that like a marathon? Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it might be just a little bit short of a marathon. No, I know it's more. It's more than a marathon. Because if a 20K is like 13 or like 12.9 or something, then yeah, that's more than a marathon. Man, that's like a full-on ultra race. That's an ultra race walk right there. Yeah, there was a lot of um, people that were a little bit, um, I don't know, I would say disappointed they took the 50K away. Well, it wasn't popular like at all. And I could see why they made cuts on the 50k but originally the first if you go way back early 1900s 
what was really popular was distance walking. So they would make bets on individuals to see how long they could walk for. And they'd walk for days on end. And this was the beginning of sports in America. It was, you know, distance walking and, you know, distance running. And that's kind of how it evolved. And, you know, check my facts on some of the stuff, but it's <laughs> a lot of people want to keep the 50K race walk because it's very traditional to what, you know, originally sports were was these giant, crazy distance events where people were would bet on other athletes and just see how long they could walk before they would drop for like days on end. Yeah. That's kind of where, you know, race walking started and where, you know, distance running, ultra running and other sports kind of came from. But yeah, it's and it's crazy to see like them making cuts and I'm sure it's probably for TV time. Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> I don't yeah, think like, a lot of people want to watch uh, race walkers race walk for like five hours. Well, even, uh, in, even in other events, like other track events this past year have been cut just for TV time from the Diamond League. So yeah. you can just see how, I mean, the athletes are taking a stand against it, but it's just kind of crazy how much they're prioritizing the TV time as opposed to these athletes who have been training for years and years. <laughs> To like be able to like the Diamond League is one of the main ways people make money by mm-hmm. like getting prize money um, through these meets. So it's crazy that they just decided to randomly take it away one year just due to TV time. So I don't know. I'm yeah, sure I agree. it's crazy. Yeah. I remember Emma Coburn talking about that because they cut the steeplechase, and it's like the steeplechase is one of the most entertaining events to watch. You know, it's a perfect exactly it's not a race. It's got barriers. It's got a water jump. It's yeah, I can understand why they made cuts, but at the same time, it's like the whole reason you're having this meet is so the athletes can compete and show up their event. And if there's enough people in these events, then that means there's enough people that are going to want to watch them. So exactly, you no, know, I completely agree with you. Them cutting time was, in my personal opinion, not a very good call, and I think it's going to do more harm to the sport than help. I know, and especially with the event like the steeplechase, like you said, is. For an average person who doesn't run, who happens to, like, flip on the TV, watching the steeplechase has to be the most, like, interesting distance event to watch because it just is something that you don't see every day. I mean, people go out and run every day, and you can see people running on a track. But the steeplechase is something that you don't see often. So if I was an average viewer and I, like, flipped to the track channel and saw someone jumping over these huge, like, horse barriers, that would be that would definitely pique my interest um, so yeah. it was an interesting move, but I'm, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know the logistics behind it. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. Um, I just feel bad for a lot of the athletes. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, that's their livelihood. Yeah, exactly. When did you know that you were good enough to reach like the Olympic level? Because you're so young that for me back in the day, like even, I mean, I never race walk, but with running, like the Olympics just seems so far away. So for you, how old are you? 18? Yeah, I'm 18. Yeah. For you being 18, like how are you approaching the Olympic trials next year? Just knowing that you're so young. You know, I haven't put that much thought into it. And I think it's different because if you were to look at, well, I mean, It depends because if you were to look at, let's say, you know, a younger, if I was running the 1500 and I was going to the Olympic trials, that'd be a really big deal to see a high schooler competing 
in the Olympic trials with a potential to be, uh, you know, all the top girls, Shelby Houlihan, Jenny Simpson, because that girl's at their level, you know, it would be a really big spectacle. But maybe it's because I came up through the sport and there already wasn't a lot of, I mean, the U.S. women are very talented, but it's not like in other countries, you know, an 18-year-old wouldn't be able to really compete with, you know, the older professional women, just like how in here, an 18-year-old wouldn't really be able to, you know, compete with the top women in the 1500 when it comes to, like, the Olympic trials. So for me, I was always coming up and I was breaking records and, you know, like high school records. And when I got to, you know, the Milrose Games, which has a lot of professional athletes, I was beating all the USA's top contenders in like the mile. And I was also beating, let's say, Canada's top girl as well. So that kind of shows that, you know, I'm at their level per se, even though I'm at this age. And it makes sense to me because, you know, race walking isn't big in the United States. So it's more understandable for possibly a younger talent to be at that level where in another country where, you know, there's a lot more competition that necessarily an 18 year old wouldn't be at the same level as a professional. So, I mean, it's definitely a little intimidating being as young as I am trying to make it to the Olympics, but at the same time, like I consider it almost kind of an honor because you know what it's you know it's cool you know I'm 18 I just graduated high school and I could possibly be you know going to Olympics next year well that's so exciting and I I seriously cannot wait to watch next year um crossing my fingers that everything happens just with the (laughs) impact of the coronavirus um how has that impacted your year I mean it's been tough it was hard during track because you know, when I, my freshman year, my goal was to progress through high school, senior year, best year, I'm signed on to a college, I'm going strong in the freshman year of college. So it was tough when, you know, I've had all this anticipation up to my senior year, and none of that gets to happen. You know, I'm always really big on, you know, last one, best one, I was hoping to go out with a bang or something. And <laughs> it just kind of was, you know, a little lackluster. It was tough because, you know, you put all this work in and running's about, you know, delayed gratification. And now it's just delayed even more. And at first it was tough to keep seeing all these important races, keep being pushed back. But, you know, once I started realizing the um, current state of the pandemic, I was not surprised and just glad that, you know, I'm healthy. I can still run because that's a sport that you can social distance pretty well in. And I'm just hoping that moving forward, I'll have some type of cross-country season, but it definitely was tough at the beginning. Yeah, so what is cross-country looking like for you now? Are you planning to go back to, like, on campus in the fall? I I don't really know much about the, like, situation going on in Arkansas. Well, for Arkansas, the cases have always been primarily pretty low, just because, you know, there's not a lot of people in Arkansas, and so... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so the cases have always been pretty low down there. So I think state by state, they're going to decide. So right now we are going back to campus. They're going to be doing tons of procedures with, you know, wearing masks, social distancing, you know, the whole cafeteria dorm situation. But I mean, there's definitely going to be some changes. I already know that for like cross country, we won't have a camp. Um, Certain, only certain people are allowed to go to the gyms for like lifting and 
it'll definitely be interesting to see what kind of competition we have because I've been given our racing schedule and it's just primarily pretty local stuff, you know, just bordering states. So, yeah, you know, I don't really know. I mean, right now I'm going there in the fall, which that's my biggest goal is just, I just want to be down there. I just want to enjoy that transition that freshman year and, you know, start being coached because it's tough when you're running by yourself. Yeah, how, like, what are you excited for going into college? It's such a fun transition. Um, What are you excited and what are you nervous for? I'm definitely excited to be around, you know, a group of girls that I can train with, you know, Taylor Werner, Katie Izzo, Devin Clark, you know, the list goes on. And I'm just so excited to have girls that potentially I can be looking forward to in a workout. You know, I have girls I can you know, Taylor Werner and Katie Ozo are doing great things. And that's where I want to be in my running one day. So to be able to have girls better than me to like work towards, I think is going to help me grow. So I'm really excited to have people to train with. Um, and I'm really looking forward to kind of having like some independence. I think change is really important. I think change is going to help me grow as a individual, even though it's going to be tough. And that kind of leads into like my fears, you know, it's always nerve wracking. I'm going into a state that's I've never been to before I'm going to be 10 hours away from home so I'm kind of on my own for quite a bit of time and so yeah I mean that's always nerve-wracking when you're leaving home and you're in a new area but I think the pros kind of outweigh the I mean negative parts of it yeah definitely and freshman year is such a big transition just with like the workload and everything but I feel like you learn a lot your freshman year just about yourself and it's just such like a transitional year. Like you said, change is a good thing and you definitely have like a lot of changes freshman year, but um, I I feel like if you talk to anyone (laughs) and they talk about their freshman year, it's definitely like a transformative year, but people, you just build on it every single year. So like the girls um, on the Arkansas team that are so good, I'm sure they have gone through something similar their freshman year of just like, it's just a big transition, but I know just like if you stick it out, you'll definitely be at like the top level um, where those girls are at right now. So I'm excited to watch your college career too. Thank you. And yeah, that's kind of the goal of freshman year, just to accept and kind of thrive with that change. And, you know, going into high school, I knew I could be, good potentially but I didn't really know what I could accomplish and you know if you look at like my times or like my races I definitely progressed from freshman year to where I am now and I'm hoping to do the same thing in college you know freshman year you know you're just dipping your toes in the water and I'm just hoping that from where I start now I can continue to progress to my senior year and if I can have that same progression then you know I'm going to be really happy especially if I want to potentially try to go professional after definitely in my race walking, but maybe in my running as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think you made a good point, like just being able to train with the girls that are literally at the top of the country right now, it makes all the difference. If you're coming from a program um, like yours, where you said that you train alone a lot, I could tell you right now, the difference in like your fitness level and even like your workouts are just going to be insane it could because you're just kind of taken to a whole nother level of running that you're not used to and you're pushed so much by these other girls but in such a positive way that it really turns you into like a new runner so I'm sure I am I'm just excited for you because it is 
such a great place to be. I think you're in such a good position to just, like you said, progress over the next four years. Um, And definitely like doing it with the best runners in the country helps a lot. And it's just a very, very good experience. And that's really what I looked for when I was uh, looking at colleges. I wanted to go on a team where, you know, I wasn't the best. I had, you know, plenty of room to grow. And for example, like recently the Bowerman Track Club ladies, they set all those insane times on the track. And a lot of them are saying it's because of their teamwork. They have all these incredible girls working together, pushing each other, and they've made all these giant leaps and bounds in their training. And, you know, a couple of times in the fall of cross country, I do, I go to practice, but I'm mostly running by myself. I had a, I was able to have a couple of our like JV girls help pace me in workouts. And just from the benefit of having, you know, someone to help pace in a workout just with me for a little bit, I just felt so much better and I had better workouts. So I can only imagine, you know, the improvement or how much better you're going to feel in a workout, actually being able to have someone to kind of lean on when things get tough. So I'm definitely excited to be down there as well. Yeah, exactly. Like when I first joined the Oregon team, I was literally one of the worst ones on the team, but it made me such a better runner. Just being surrounded by all these people, it really just sets a new level of running. So I feel like a lot of people are like nervous to go into college because there are people that are so much better than you and people just get scared. But even if you are one of like the slower ones on the team, just being in the environment helps out so so much and you will see so much improvement and yeah like even just talking to Carissa after her race she just like gives so much credit to being able to train with Shelby every day and watching them interact like you can see that it's just such a positive environment um Mm -hmm. even like talking to them uh talking to Carissa before her race she was just uh, saying, like, obviously they're nervous to race against each other, but they seriously, like, don't know. They don't know who's going to win on the day. It just really depends. Wow. And, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's just so, so cool to see such a um, cool environment at that level. And, I mean, I'm sure a lot of colleges mimic that as well between their top runners. But, yeah, it, it, just being able to have people to train with, it really makes all the difference. It does. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. So when you were looking at colleges, you had to obviously like talk about how you wanted to incorporate incorporate race walking into your routine. What? How were colleges responsive to that? What were their thoughts? Because I know a lot of, I mean, I haven't seen anyone that's been training for race walk and running at the same time in college. Definitely one of the first, but I was nervous that some coaches wouldn't understand. You know, a lot of people, when they see me race walk, they're assuming that, you know, out of the year, I miss may not be running at all and that, you know, race walking may require time off from running and that can be inhibiting my running, especially when I'm going to school to run and, you know, race walking isn't an NCAA sport. You know, that's, that could be a concern for a coach. And I think once they realize that, no, my training is 90% running, I'm race walking about once a week. And if I do race walk on a day that I'm not taking off to cross train, I'm also running that day. It's more like um, race walking to me is more like cross training than anything else. So it's not like my running's being inhibited at all. And I'd actually like to say that I think race walking has improved my running a lot. When I was younger, I tend to have a little bit more of an overstride just because I was taller, you know, lanky. And race walking has kind of, you know, cut down my stride. It's helped my cadence a lot. And so I definitely was nervous with college coaches 
being apprehensive about my race walking, but as I started to talk to them, a lot of them were just really excited to have a new, let's say, like project to work on. They've never had a girl that race walked before, and it was a new opportunity to, you know, try something different. And a lot of coaches were just excited. And what stood out to me was Coach Harder was so open and just he was just so excited to start working with my race walking. I mean, when I committed, he came to some of my race walk races. He wanted to talk to some, you know, race walk coaches I had worked with before about my form. So when he's helping me do workouts, he knows what to look for and, and can help me in my race walking. He was super open about potentially coaching me after college in my race walking alongside my running. And to just have a coach that is already willing to be so invested in something that's really important to you, that just stood out to me the most. And, you know, all the college coaches I talked to were really interested in my race walking, but he just took it to the next level. And I could tell how excited he was. And that just makes me excited. Yeah, man. I mean, like, basically, he's training himself on how to coach race walking, already doing that before you even get to school. That really shows his dedication to you as an athlete. So... I can only imagine how good it's going to be, especially later down the road when he knows more about race walking and has seen you race all the time. Um, I can only imagine like how awesome of a like coaching dynamic that will be down the road. So I feel like you made the right decision. You haven't even been there yet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I hope they made that really easy. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so kind of transitioning a little bit. I have always like asked people on this podcast what their highest highs in running and what their lowest lows in running are because you we know that we have to have both of them to like be a runner. You don't not every runner has only highs. So um exactly. yeah, can you talk yeah, can you talk a little bit about what your highest highs and highest or lowest lows have been so far in your so, career? Well, I'll start with the highest high. So Probably my highest highs in high school would, you know, be NXN championships. You know, that's always a meet. When I'm my freshman year, I always want to qualify. And I remember telling my parents, well, you know, I hope that I can qualify for NXN by my senior year. You know, I just want to <laughs> qualify. And so, you know, my sophomore year to make it, I remember telling my mom that, um, I want to be top seven so I can make the team. Little did I know it was top five that went to NXN. So my goal was to just be top seven. So I was in the race and I was up there and I'm, you know, I think I was fourth and I'm like, okay, I'm good. I just need to be top seven. I remember I let one girl pass me because it was towards the end and she was kicking. I'm like, no, I'm okay. I just have to be top seven. I was fifth and I finished the race and I was fifth and I was like, oh, I was good. You know, something would have happened. I still would have made it. I had two more spots. And it wasn't until a little bit later that I just found out it was top five. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, imagine if I would have run the race and something would have happened. I'd be like, no, it's OK. I'm top seven. Oh. So that was probably one of my highest highs, making it my sophomore year to NXN. And that's always, you know, I've done Foot Locker before and I've done that just mostly for race experience. I mean, and also because it's Foot Locker, it's really cool. But, you know, I go there and it's a great opportunity to race another top level race, especially a lot of high school girls don't really get the race against, you know, equal competition a lot. But NXN, that's always been, you know, the race. I have pictures of like NXN on my wall and I've always wanted to go. So, you know, my highest of highs had to be like in my sophomore year, making it for the first time. And then the last couple of years being able to go there and, you know, run well and me having that 
you know, perfect race. That's always been really enjoyable for me. Yeah, man, that this past year watching you run, you literally almost won. I was cheering oh you gosh. on so hard, dude, Thank down the last stretch. I was like, she's going to get her. She's going to get her. Uh, did you like going from wanting to get top seven at your region to literally getting second place? That, that is an insane improvement. So that must have felt very good. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely really re- rewarding, especially when you, you know, you put in all that effort and especially when a meet like means a lot to you per se. And, you know, you brought it up, but like last year I almost, yeah, won it. And in the moment I wasn't thinking about that. I just wanted to place higher than I did my junior year, which was third. And me and Sydney were kind of, you know, working together and, you know, looking back on the race, I could see that gap had formed between us and the other competitors. And I knew that a thousand meters to go that that's that was my going to be my move. And, you know, I just kind of stayed on muscle memory and kept moving forward. And Sydney and I just kind of chipped away on that lead to we had on us. And, you know, looking back on the race, the finish is so hard to watch because <laughs> I know winning XN would have been like insane for me. But at the same time, like my goal was just just the place higher than I did last year. You know, I had a feeling I would win, like I could win NXN, but I wasn't completely super confident with it. I was more just, I just want to run well there. And it kind of haunts me sometimes. Like I'm doing a workout and I'm like, oh, if I just would have, you know, maybe if I would have done like one more thing, I would have had it. But I just, maybe, you know, it's tough, but at the same time, you know. Sometimes things happen so that better things can happen later on and maybe not winning NXN by like point three or whatever is the best thing that could have happened to me. So Yeah. You know, I talked I talked to um my friend Stephen Fahey, who had gotten third at uh in the steeplechase at NCAA's his yeah junior year and then his senior year ended up winning and he said the main difference you kind of like touched on it the main difference between that race was like fully believing in the fact that he is going to win the race because you said like maybe I like I have the possibility of winning but uh, you just wanted to do better than third but I think for Steven the difference between that third place and his win was his like belief that he he towed the line he's like I will be winning this race but it also takes I mean Steven had a lot of like struggles too so I feel like it's just maturity in the sport and you have so many more years I mean you're only you're only going to be a freshman so you have so many years to even like keep improving on that but uh, you're already like such a mature runner so it's yeah it's it'll be fun to watch you in college for sure you and Caitlin (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna. I think there's gonna be a ton of girls that are gonna do well in college, um, but yeah, it was tough because in high school I always was kind of on the training of holding someone back because there's a. It's sad to see, but there's a lot of high schoolers that get burned out and they don't perform in college or they don't perform after college, and that's when it really matters. I mean, I'm running now so that I can hopefully run later and do it as a job. So why would you want to burn yourself out? You know. And you see a lot of like um, top uh, professionals now. Some of them never won an XN. Some of them didn't. I mean, Chris Schweitzer's PR in high school, I think, was like a <laughs> seventeen fifty one. So I mean, if I can just kind of in high school, I was able to do like the most to be 
good and be proud of myself and feel that I was working hard, but at the same time, not enough that, you know, I could burn myself out or do something that would harm me along the way. So I'm definitely excited about college of, you know, just doing a little bit more and being able to kind of start getting to that next level. Yeah. And that, you said it very well. It is really about longevity. And I feel like, especially Mm -hmm. with like the prevalence of social media and just being able to see what everyone is doing on a day-to-day basis, including the professionals, it's really transformed the way high schoolers train because high schoolers, even, I mean, when I was back in high school in 2010 to 2014, the training was a lot different than it is now. Like high schoolers are training like college athletes. So it is- Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how people, um, how it like kind of affects people's college careers because it's just so new and everyone in high school is so good now. I know for me personally, I would not want to be in high school right now because (laughs) I would get absolutely roasted in every race I ran. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And like, there's younger girls. I mean, there's the whole thing of, you know, when girls are younger, of course, they're going to run faster if you're putting the miles on them, but that's a whole other conversation. But there's so many girls that are coming up that are running even faster. And yeah, I think, like you said, I think it has to do a lot with social media. You know, a lot of people are posting what their workouts are. A lot of professionals are posting what their workouts are. You see that they do more than just run They're cross training, they're lifting their diet, which that's controversial on its own, you know, but yeah, I definitely running's in for a trip in the future. And I'm glad that at least, uh, it looks like the United States is going to continue to improve in their running, which in that aspect is good. I want to, it would be, it's good to see that the sport is still continuing to grow, but then there's always that. Is it, is it coming from a good place? Yeah, definitely. So that's something that will be very interesting in the future. Um, Well, I really, really like this episode. I found it very informative, but to close out the episode, I always ask someone, I always ask the guest, do you have like a life motto or or quote that you live by? Yes, I do. Do I say it now? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. I believe and achieve. Like you were touching on it with your friend, uh, Steven, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think believing in yourself is the biggest thing. And at NXN, you know, I believed I was capable of great things. I believed I could be top three, but I think there was just kind of a, I mean, it's tough when you're going against Caitlin Tui. (laughs) No, I'm realistic with my goals and, you know, there's a possibility of at the end of the day, I just want to believe that I could have the best race I could have. And whether that was first or third, you know, I think believing in yourself is really important. And so, yeah, my life life motto before I go into a race or just in general is believe and achieve. Yeah. Simple and straight to the point, but it is, there's a reason why it is so like, I had such a good quote because it, in running in such a hard sport, believing, truly, truly believing means like all the difference, especially when you get to that top level. So definitely makes sense. And it's a great quote to live by. And To close out the episode, can we get a good old peace out, fellas? Yeah, peace out, fellas. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. If you guys listen on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it if you rated and reviewed the podcast. It really helps me out so much. Also, the other day on Instagram, someone sent me the screenshot that Convos Over Cold Brew was trending on the Spotify USA trending podcast list, number 37, and I was quaking. So thank you guys so much for listening. It means the world to me. If you want more frequent updates or you want to be able to submit 
podcast requests or questions, follow at Combos Over Cold Brew Pod on Instagram. And I will hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas.